And turn to three or four people and say, God's got a gift for you this Christmas. Amen. Amen. Well, as we step into this time of year, you will hear the Christmas narrative once again, whether it's through sermons, through plays, through Christmas concert or songs uh, playing on the radio. You will be reminded of angels, wise men, shepherds, and of course, the virgin birth. And they will be speaking of Christmas, um, that we'll be speaking of the Christmas narrative without forgetting the virgin birth, of course. And you can't, and I can't speak of the Christmas narrative without talking about the virgin birth. How many would agree? I mean, you can't talk about Christmas without talking about the virgin birth. The virgin birth is like telling a story without its most crucial chapter. The virgin birth is more than a footnote, detail, or cute fairy tale. It is the heartbeat of the whole story. Now, some accept it, some embrace it, and some mock it. Glenn Scrivener said, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Atheists believe in the virgin birth of the universe. Choose your miracle. So some accept it, some embrace it, some mock it, but some are completely indifferent to it. But for Christians who believe the Bible is the infallible word of God, it should, and how many know it should, matter to us. Because it's fundamental to our faith. Since the virgin birth is fulfillment of ancient prophecies, Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The virgin birth is confirmation of Christ's identity. Listen to me. Jesus is not the son of God because he was born of a virgin. Jesus, uh, he, was, he was born of a virgin because he is the son of God. Amen. Amen. Matthew 1.20, uh, verse 20 to 23, speaks of uh, a sinless conception and, and where perfection meets imperfection, where extraordinary meets ordinary. And so this morning I've entitled a message, Four Things the Virgin Bird Says to You Today. You Ready? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read 26 to 38. 26, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, was sent from uh, a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph 
of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Everybody say, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How would this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And, and, and this is the sixth month with her who was also called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Lord, we come today as we approach this very familiar narrative. But Lord, they're still breathing, inspired by you. So Lord, I pray that you would take your word. And the Bible says your word never come back void without doing what it's originally supposed to do. So thank you that your word will find a word in our, heart, in our hearts. I pray that it will find a home in our hearts and it will, it will bear much fruit. We will not just listen to another uh, narrative, but God, it will change our lives. We thank you for your word. And we ask that God, you give us years to hear what you're saying to us in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Four things the virgin birth says to us uh, today. One, if God is for you, then who could be against you? Right? The first thing the virgin bird says to me is that if God is for me, then who could be against me? When reading the narrative here, that from the angel speaking to Mary to later to everything unfolding, you realize there's a lot against Mary and Joseph. There's a lot against them. You realize there's a lot of cultural pressures. We'll talk about that in the next points. You realize there's some pressures against Mary because she was pregnant and she wasn't married. There is a religious pressures. Not many would believe in the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus. There's the Roman pressure, the Roman leaders. And there's also a, a leader called Herod who learned about another king being born. And now he's threatened, he's jealous, and he has all the, the male children murdered under the age of two. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of difficulties against them. And then when it's time to give labor, there's no place in the end. There's no availability space. There's a lot against them. But let this be a reminder for us and an encouragement and remind ourselves of verse 28 that says, Greetings, O favored one. Favored one. The Lord is with you. 
that if, if God says you are favored, if God says I am with you, then who cares if a few religious leaders are not with you? Who cares if society is against you? Who cares if culture doesn't agree with you? Amen. Amen. If God is for you, if the one who has the power, not only in this life, but in the life to come, the one who every knee will bow before him and receive their final judgment, if he's for you and he calls you favored one, who cares? The opinion other people has about you. And I'm not saying be a nasty person, be a hard to get along person, and be rough on people. That's not what I'm saying. I say be a good person. But who cares if you're not accepted by people? Don't try to sell your soul to be accepted by people. If you can't, you, you always have to convince people to like you and, you, and it's never good enough. Walk away. Walk away. Turn to your neighbor and say, if God's for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Once you have favor with God, you want to keep that favor with God. You want to live in a, in a, in a way that you're always walking with the favor of God and always we're walking in a way that the Lord is with you. If you got that, you got it all. You figured the key to life. That's the first thing the virgin birth says. You could have everything, society, culture, even relation. We're going to talk about relationships that were against, that could have been against Mary, being pregnant before being married. How, how, what, what do you mean? Right? Joseph and, and, and her boyfriend or her fiancé, it's not mine. Oh, don't worry. The angel told me I'm going to be pregnant. Who would believe that story? I mean, the religious leaders who, you know, in some cases would actually stone you to death if they heard it was an adultery involved in it. And they'd say, well, no, no, don't worry. The angel told me. I said, we heard it all before. We haven't heard that one. But even if all these challenges are there, if God is for you, God says you're favored. And what what can men do to you? Really, let's look at it from an eternal perspective. Amen? The second lesson, or the second message the virgin birth is saying to us is Christianity is everything but ordinary. I mean, look at Genesis. How can you explain creation? Well, in the beginning was God and God created the heavens and the earth with his word. If you could get past that, you could get past a lot of the things that Christians believe. Because then we get back to the next stop, which is the virgin birth. And then we get back to the resurrection. So you got a couple miracles in there. That if you you don't believe in miracles, it's going to be hard for you to be a believer. Right? Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. This concept, this idea of a virgin birth challenges anyone. 
to accept and embrace a reality that goes beyond our understanding. Mary had to believe the word she received. She had to believe a word she'd never seen before. She never heard of something like that. And the reason is because God is not ordinary. He is extraordinary. The virgin birth, someone said, the virgin birth is more than a miracle. It's a divine statement that God's ways are not our ways and His plan surpasses our understanding. God can defy the very natural law He puts in place. God can move beyond the very limits and measures He instored. And I have the firm conviction that we need to stop trying to bring God to our level and we need to grow to where it's His. He's calling us to so much more. The Christian life is not a call to be ordinary, but to be extraordinary. To live counterculturally in a way that reflects the, radiant, the radical nature of God's love. Adrian Rogers said before uh, he passed, he said, Believing in miracles is to believe in the God who can defy the laws of nature to bring about His extraordinary purposes. Mary had to believe. Then Joseph had to believe. Joseph had to believe as well, the angel that appeared to him later. And you and I have to come to a place where we believe. That's the Christian faith. I mean, to be extraordinary because we follow an extraordinary God. And so, remind yourself this Christmas... That the virgin birth is a reminder to us that Christianity is everything but ordinary. Amen. Someone get excited about that. You're like, I'm tired of ordinary. I know ordinary. We live ordinary. But we talk to an extraordinary God. Therefore, extraordinary things will happen. Get ready. We say we want extraordinary, but we can't back in the ordinary because we don't understand the extraordinary. We feel comfortable. I feel comfortable in the ordinary. I could control the ordinary. I could plan the ordinary. I could strategize the ordinary. I could, ca- I could set in my calendar the ordinary. What I can't set in my calendar is the extraordinary because the extraordinary, the extraordinary is not on my timetable. The extraordinary could happen on my way to the grocery store. The extraordinary could happen through a storm. The extraordinary could happen when I got diagnosed with something I didn't even know I had. I can't plan the extraordinary. I need to be ready for the extraordinary. We need to walk away from the ordinary into the extraordinary. But we need to remind ourselves that That's the fate we're called. It's sometimes ordinary, but sometimes we need to be ready for the extraordinary. Amen? Number three. This was kind of the heart of my message. For the will of God to be done in your life, you must be willing to surrender to it no matter the cost. Luke 1.31. Mary said, behold, she heard this awesome message from the angel. You're going to, Bore a son? Like, how's that, how's that possible? I'm a virgin. You're going to have a child? And that child's going to be the son of God? His name's going to be Jesus? Like, whoa! 
home. That just messed up her cute little white fence family plans. I mean, whatever dreams she had at that time, it just got changed. And as awesome as this vision, prophecy, whatever you call it, has been for her, this is her response. Verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, we read this and think, I know I I thought this at first, Mary's quite the person. She's a natural servant. Right? You don't hear any arguments, no resistance, no arguments, nothing. It's like, I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen according to your word. Wow! How many dads would love a daughter like that? I mean, go clean your room. I am a servant. I will go clean my room. <laughs> right? How many, how many uh, employers would like their coworkers to be like that? How many, you know, even moms would love their kids to be like that? I mean, but they don't make them like that anymore. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> But Mary seems to be a natural servant. I mean, here I am. I'm going to do as you wish, you know, kind of deal. And they're like, wow. But our culture today, you know what they they would call Mary? Weak. Passive. Not strong enough. There's no resistance. She's not sharing her opinions and her view. She seems to be erased. But she says, let it be according to your word. She surrendered. Make no mistake. This is not weakness. She surrendered herself to the will of God. In our current culture, that's called weak. But in God's, in kingdom's culture, that's called strength. When you understand the power of submission to God's word and God's will, you are everything but weak. Someone said, Mary's profound surrender in saying, I am the Lord's servant, let it be done according to your word, challenges our contemporary notion of strength. It's not weakness, it's a bold act of trust and obedience, surrendering to, surrendering to God's will takes immeasurable courage. It takes strength to obey God's word. It takes power to surrender to God's will. It takes courage and resilience to go through what she's about to go through. Because understand that even if she makes it look so easy to do when she responds that way, it was everything but easy for Mary. Because Mary being pregnant before marriage could lead to serious consequence for her in her day. She would automatically face public shame. She would face judgment from the community even to the point that she could get excommunicated from the community she's in. Her family would look on her differently and even her family would be looked on differently by the community as well. She could lose, she would lose her fiancé. In fact, if you remember, the boyfriend, the fiancé, Back in those days, to be betrothed is almost like a contract of marriage. It's, it's the same equivalent, in a sense. It's not, you know, if I don't feel it, we're not doing it. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a signature. It's a, it's a contract. It's serious, you know. They were really engaged to be married. You're pledged. But something like that would break it, divorce it. 
And Joseph, being a just man, wanted to divorce her, and he had the right to publicly shame her. What did he do instead? He planned on doing it in an honorable way to her, to do it secretly. He didn't want to embarrass her publicly, but he's a just man, so he couldn't continue with this idea that there's a baby there and it's not mine. So he walked away, but then an angel showed up to him and said, no, 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 this is all part of my plan. And so he trusted. But Mary said yes to God, even though she knew the consequence. So, and, and we already said that she could be stoned if she was suspected of adultery uh, because no one would believe such a statement. But when she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. It was no simple thing. We read it like it's so cute and so nice. But it's costly. Her surrendering to God's will demanded strength beyond what our culture often recognizes. Mary's story encourages us to find fortitude in obedience when we're faced with social and relational judgment. Now, when we speak about the will of God, many of us agree that that's what we want. In fact, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to live in the will of God? Right, two of you. That's good. Amen. <clears throat> we, we all want, I think we all want, if you're here today, I think you're a child of God and you want to live in the will of God. We ultimately know that God's will, even though we don't fully understand the process to the will of God or in the will of God sometimes, when we don't understand our deserts, but we ultimately know that God is good and His plans are also good and that all things work for good to those who love Him, even though we don't fully understand all the time. So, but we want His will daily in our lives. We want His will for our kids and our parents and our grandkids. We want His will for our future. If you're young and you're praying for what God has in store for you in your future, you're about to choose studies in university or you're uh, doing choices of a career or, or even ministry. Maybe God's called you to ministry and, and you're seeking the Lord's will for your life. We all want His will for our future. Or maybe a decision. Maybe you're retired already and you already did your life and, and, and you still have a life in front of you, but you, you're, you're wondering the will, the will of God for a decision you're about to make. We all want God's will in our lives and we want to align our lives with His will and His purposes. But, and, and there's a lot of areas in our life that will touch the will of God, that will touch this very question. What's God's will in this situation? Because I want it. I want to do it. But a lot of us don't think so much about the part where you and I play in. We want God's will, but we don't think about the part He wants us to play in it. There's often something God is waiting on you and, I, and me to do to fulfill that plan. And you know what that is? It's a step. And that step is surrendering to it. It's accepting it. It's embracing it. It's saying, Lord, not my will be done, but yours. I, I, if there's a way for this cup to be removed from me, so be it, but not my will be done, yours. It's that step that says, I'm not going to fight you 
over it. I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to oppose you. I will fully accept your will for my life. Have your way, Lord. If I'm praying, praying, and praying for something or someone, and the door is shutting in front of me, I will not try to sneak in through the window. If I'm praying, praying, and praying, and the door opens wide in front of me, I will not stand passively waiting for another seven signs, but I will courageously, courageously and with faith walk in it. I've seen people who have been prophesied over or received the word or as they're seeking the Lord for themselves through a time of prayer and God spoke to them and put a dream or put a vision or put an idea or promise in their lives. And years later, you say, so how's it going? There's still the same space. Nothing's changed. And oftentimes, is they haven't accepted it. They haven't surrendered to it. They haven't embraced it. Devin said, like Mary, uh, let it happen according to your word. I surrender. I'm the Lord's servant. We need to surrender, friends. I have a good friend of mine. Some of you know him because he came to this church for a while. And, um, and his wife owns a store in a restaurant in Rockland. And some of you uh, may know them. And, uh, but in the first years of our church, Brother Michaud and Sister Cece, if you remember them, were attending here. And uh, at the time, they were both working in the government. They had really good jobs, really good jobs. Uh, they were living comfortable lives. They have beautiful kids. They live in a beautiful neighborhood. Uh, they, they have a beautiful family. Uh, but they received the word from a spiritual father, a mentor, if you will, someone who regularly prays for them. And this man came up to say, say as I'm praying for you, I really feel strongly that you're going to plant a church. You're going to be a church planner. And Michaud's like, yeah, okay. You know, he's got a good job. He works in the government. His wife, they love the Lord. But, uh, you know, and he gets this word and, and uh, you know, he continues with his comfortable life. Years went by and that word's burning in their heart. And they're sensing it in their own time. And they feel like God is calling them to more, to something more. And, uh, but they come here, they come to this church, we love them, they come to the men's group, he comes to the men's group, because <clears throat> women are not allowed in our men's group, just letting you know, and I know some of you want to sneak in, but no, <laughs> our breakfasts are really cool. Um, but in 2012, one Sunday, I noticed they're not there. You're like, how do you remember that? Well, back in those days, we were about 40 people, and we counted everything that moved. Everything that moved, we counted. If you go missing, we know. <laughs> and I mean, it was the beginning of our church too at the same time. And so I'm like, one week's not there, second week's not there. I'll reach out to them, say, how you doing, brother? You know? And uh, I find out later that they already started the church. They launched the church. He says, yeah, pastor, we started with a few families. And we're meeting, we're renting this space in Orleans, and we started and uh, you know what? We want to invite you at our first year anniversary. So I'm expecting, you know, maybe 40 people. I'm going to preach to 40 people and celebrate and encourage them. I get there. There's over 100 people there. I'm like, wow. And he, invite, he invites me a few, a few years after, and there must have been 600 people in that place. 
But now, not only is it a growing, thriving, healthy church in Ottawa, but now today, uh, I say this, giving God all the, pra- uh, the praises, but now they have an English church in Ottawa. They have a French church in Ottawa. They have a church in Cornwall. They have a church in Sudbury. They have a church in Vaudreuil. And just recently, they planted a new church in Edmonton. Listen, they have surrendered to the call of God in their life. They left a comfortable life to go and serve the Lord. Some of you, God has a plan for your life. He's got a wonderful will for your life. But you and I need to surrender to it. Embrace it and say, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be done according to your word. If you're holding on to your plans and you're trying to follow God's plans... It's not going to work. God is saying, let go of yours and trust him. He's got, you know what? He's got better plans than you have figured out for your life anyways. He did. He did. Say with me, I surrender. Say with me, I accept. Say with me, let your word be done in my life. Number four, as the worship team comes. The virgin birth reminds us not to look to man for something only God can do. See, this was so important to God that he had to come down and do it himself. You ever heard the expression, you want something done, you might as well do it yourself. It's kind of like that. It's not like that, but it's kind of like that. It feels like, you know, no one's worthy enough. No one qualifies to pay the debt of sin. And he comes down himself and does it for us. No one would meet God's standard of perfection to pay the price for humanity of sin or humanity's sin. But he came down and took care of it himself. In other words, God is not afraid to get his hands dirty. The sin Adam and Eve committed were being passed down to their children and their children were passing down to their children and their children's children until it reaches you and I. And guess what? When you're born, you're automatically passed down to sin nature. You only need to be born to be a sinner. Amen. Right? It's, it's passed down through generations. But now with Jesus, Jesus needed to be born, born by a virgin by, by, and he bypassed the natural process of human conception. And he, wasn't, he was untamed by the consequence of humanity's fallen state by doing so. It was un, incru, um, uncorrupted because human, human needed a savior. Humanity needed a savior. And that God loved so, so much the world that he was willing to take the initiative and redeem us. Someone said the virgin birth is God's extraordinary response to humanity's profound need of a savior. A savior untainted by the consequence of our fallen state. When you and I are born by Adam, the first Adam, the first man on the planet that God created. We become sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And because of this, we are automatically born in sin. 
But Jesus Christ in the Bible is called the second Adam. When you're born in the first Adam, you are born in sin. When you're born in the second Adam, you're born in righteousness. Your identity changes. You are now the righteousness of Christ. As righteous as Jesus is, so are you when you are in Christ. Don't miss this. Your identity changes when you are in the second Adam, when you're in Jesus Christ, when you're born again. In John chapter 3, there's a scholar who is very famous and popular in the day who knew a lot about religion and Judaism and the Bible or the Old Testament. And he was having a discussion with Jesus one day and Regardless of his knowledge, regardless of how good he was, Jesus said to this man, this scholar, this religious leader, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You know what this is saying? This is saying humanity needs a savior. Because even the best religious people in the world needs a savior. Therefore, we all need a Savior. We all need to be born again. Because I've been born from the first Adam, the moment I said, Gaga Gugu. But Jesus says, I need to be born again. I need to be born of Him. Born of the second Adam, who was born from the Virgin. Can we stand? I want to end with this invitation. If you're here today and this is the first time you hear a reference to being born again, you're like, what is that? This invitation is for you. It's not an invitation to join a religion. It's not an invitation to join a specific church. It's an invitation to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship to receive forgiveness of sin. It's an invitation to find true righteousness, the kind of righteousness that God demands. It's the kind of righteousness that meets God's justice and God's expectation. The only one. And it's available for you. This is why we say Christmas is so amazing because Christmas is about a gift. God giving us a gift, the gift of salvation. And it's not a gift that, that it's not a, a gift that's only for specific people. It's a gift for those who are royalty. It's a gift given to sinners. It's a gift given to people like shepherds and, and people who are poor and people who tried it all and still are empty. It's a gift for criminals who say, I'm sorry and I need a new beginning, I need a new chain. It's, it's a gift for the blue collar, the white collar, the government worker. It's, it's a gift for all. Gentiles and Jews, free or poor or rich, it's a gift for all. 
But as with every gift, we must receive the gift. The gift needs to be open. The gift needs to be accepted. And so I'm wondering if there's somebody today, you're saying, I want to receive that gift today. I, I definitely don't deserve that gift, but that's the beauty of grace is that we get what we don't deserve. We, we get something that's immerited. It's not merited. We're not worthy to receive this grace, this gift. But God so loved the world that he gave us this gift. So if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, just slip up your hands as every eyes are closed and say, that's me. I want to receive Christ this morning. I want to start my Christmas season with Jesus. And, and not just the Christmas season, but I want to start a new journey with Jesus Christ. We're not asking you to join a religion. We're not asking you to join necessarily this church. We're asking you to start a, a faith journey with Jesus Christ. Lift up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. God bless you. Anybody else? Say, I want to receive Jesus into my heart. I received this gift, this gift that was given to us through a virgin. God bless you. Say, I received this gift that was given to me, that was given to us, humanity, through a virgin. The virgin bird still speaks today, and it tells us that humanity needs a Savior. I need a Savior. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need a Savior. I need saving. I need forgiveness. I'm going to wait for you if you're... If you're still unsure and you're not, don't worry about it. If God is for you, who cares what man thinks, right? You say, I want to receive Christ this morning. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Join those who already did. Hallelujah. I'm going to guide you in a prayer this morning. If you haven't, uh, if you already did that prayer, uh, just encourage those by repeating after me as they're doing it maybe for the first time. Say, say with me, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner that needs saving, that needs forgiveness. So please forgive me today. Please save me today. Wash me of all my sins. Cleanse me of my iniquities. Make me a new creation in Jesus Christ. Would you please today Come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Would you also please fill me with your spirit so I can live the godly life that you have called me to live. May I refuse to live under everything, anything that you have not called me to live. And may I live fully the life that you've called me to live. In Jesus' name. For the Son came to give us life and life in abundance. And so if you made that decision for the first time, I want you to tell somebody on your way out or before you leave today, don't keep this personal and private. Make it public. Those who came to Jesus always did it publicly in the New Testament. And it's wonderful when you share it with someone. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you for the virgin bird. It still speaks to us today. You remind us today that with God, nothing's impossible. And so if you're here today and you're facing an impossible situation, be encouraged that God could even defy the natural laws He instored Himself for you. 
So, Lord, I pray those situations where there's a Red Sea, those situations where there's a mountain, those situations where there's a dead end, I ask that you would make a way for us, God. That you would show us what to do, God. Lord, you give us a strategy. You give us an idea. You give us a solution. Maybe give us a person. Show us, God. And I pray for the man or woman that received the word from you or promise from you that is kind of just sitting on it today. I pray that today they will choose to surrender to your will today and let God be God in their life. We say thy kingdom come, yes, in the world, but also thy kingdom come in our lives today. We surrender to your rule. We surrender to your principle. We surrender to your promises. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen and amen. Let's sing one more song before we're dismissed this morning.
you take a moment just to bow your hearts for just a moment? Just before we leave today, maybe you're here and, and there's something you need to let go to God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a dream that you need to let go to God. Maybe it's a, a plan. Maybe it's a project. Maybe a person. But God wants to do something. God is saying to you, I got so much great plans for you. But there's something holding you back. And you need to surrender it to God today. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. God knows what it is. And I want us today to just raise up your hands toward God as a symbol of obedience to respond to this call and say, God, I give you this thing. I give you this thing that is holding me back. I give you this thing that is in the way of your plan in my life. I give it to you. I surrender. Maybe it's a control. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's something you're holding on. It's a safety net that you know God is asking you to step out of, but you're keeping it because you're, 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 you're afraid. Whatever it is, God will show you. But you say, I'm giving. I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender to you today. And may your will be done in my life. Just like our friend Michaud, Pastor and Pastor Michaud and CC, the wonderful story of two wonderful servants of God today who are used in the nations, who had to themselves let go and surrender. Whatever it is today, we surrender to you today. We surrender even our past. We surrender or uh, we're used to this and we're used to that. Uh, we surrender the known. We surrender the, the ordinary. We surrender the control. We surrender everything that we have planned, God, for our lives. And today we say we want your will for our life, God. Take us on the journey you want us to go on. Open the right doors in front of us. Shut the wrong doors. We want nothing to do with the wrong doors. Shut them. Make them so clear. The Bible says you're the one who opens doors no man can, no man can shut. You're the one who shuts doors no man can open. And we pray, God, that before us, you would shut doors and open doors that needs to be shut and open. Guide us, Lord. We want to be like Mary, who willingly surrenders to you who willingly accepts your will and doesn't reject it or resist it. We say your will be done in our lives, God. And so we commit our lives to you, God. Use us for your purposes and your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, Amen. Come on, let's give him 10 seconds of praise. He's worthy to receive our praise, our adoration, our obedience, our affection. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. At this moment, we're going to take the offering and the tithes. If you're new here, there's four ways you could give. You could give online through PayPal, Canada Helps. There's a box at the back for those of you giving uh, by cash or check. We could also give uh, through at the Welcome Center. There's an interact machine for those of you who choose to give that way. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for the provision. Thank you for the job, the health, uh, the blessings, the prosperity that we enjoy. Now, Lord, receive our tithes and our offering for the advancement of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody say, 
Amen and Amen. Uh, again, I want to invite you to come next week. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring a not so friend person. Non friends are also welcome, not just your friends. But bring somebody to the Christmas play next week where they're going to hear the gospel in a creative way. We're going to be in prayer this week. Stay for some fellowship today. We got some nice treats at the back and some coffee. And may the Lord bless you. And uh, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you.